0: Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts Ravi
1: and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports.
0: Welcome to another episode of Masala PTA Boys and Girls. I'm here with my uh, co-host uh, Ravi. This is uh, uh, Aravind. Um, unfortunately, Ravi, we have to start today's show with kind of a uh, somber news uh, that you, I'm sure you saw as well, that uh, wide receiver Vincent Jackson is uh, just, uh, you know, passed on. Uh, he's not with us anymore. And this one hits home, Ravi, because as uh, probably... Some of our listeners know this show has its roots in fantasy football, right? And Vincent Jackson is kind of from this era. You know, our show has been around for, what, three, four, five years. And he has always been a fantasy-relevant wide receiver. He has been one of those big-bodied, you know, high-potential guys, first at San Diego and Tampa Bay. And I'm sure we have probably discussed him, I don't have all the details but he has been probably mentioned several times as a sleeper or a you know high potential waiver wire pickup or whatever in both the stops and this one really kind of was a shocking piece of news for me uh, just a few hours back i think uh, yes i'm sure you have some thoughts on that as well uh, what do you uh, remember the most about vincent jackson
1: yeah, absolutely, Erwin. And hello, everyone. Uh, you know, and thanks for listening to our pod. But uh, I agree, Erwin, that Vincent Jackson represents uh, for us that uh, you know that that elusive uh, value at wide receiver that people like you and I, who used to draft running backs early on in the first couple of rounds in our respective right. fantasy drafts, we always used to look for value in the middle middle rounds of our fantasy drafts and invariably would end up uh, with Vincent Jackson as one of the choices. And he never, he never disappointed. Uh, in fact, it felt very kind of, you're right, melancholic, sad, somber, that you have someone, uh, you know, a, who's obviously much younger than us, but also someone that you, as recently as a couple of years ago, or three, four years ago, uh, was right. part and parcel of our thoughts and conversations during the football season. Yes. And it had nothing to do with him playing football. Playing, like playing in terms of playing real football for our team, the Cardinals. But he was someone that we used to follow closely, based on being a productive receiver. And in that sense, I think it's just, uh, it's just sad. And what actually made it a little bit harder for me to digest Erwin was, and I know I'm very delicately walking on eggshells, not to say something judgmental, but sometimes you hear of players, even when they are playing, get into some not so pleasant situations, right, off the field, whether it is drugs or, uh, you know, uh, some some other substances or getting into off-field violence. And I'm not saying that that always ends up badly, but you at least have an right. inkling that this particular guy's life is a little unstable. In the case of someone like Vincent Jackson, at least for me, I never heard anything untoward. The only thing I did read about was how good he was with his off-field activities after retiring. So, it hits home even harder when this, something like that. Right, right.
0: I think his only problem of the uh, field was all the injuries he got on the field, right? He missed a lot of time, especially from a fantasy perspective. Uh, He was always in and out of lineups. That part I remember, but you're right. There is nothing controversial about him at all. And, you know, the other thing you mentioned is... uh, uh, very interesting, right? That the fact, actually, I'm blanking right now. You you mentioned another one I really wanted to follow up on, but it'll uh, come back to me later. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Other than injuries, I have never heard of anything uh, controversial with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you said that just a couple of years back, he was in our lives, at least as a productive fantasy receiver. I was going to say that I would have absolutely believed you if you just told me that he was like the fourth receiver this year on the jets or something like that right i would have yes. because he has not been out of the league for that long and in fact even his age uh, as 38 kind of sounded a little high for me i felt like he would be even younger but it's really uh sad and this is part of Getting a little bit older, Ravi. I think that there are so many sports personalities and other personalities that we have grown up with are all like uh, you know moving on, and that's that's something we talked about. I think a couple of uh, episodes back.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know the 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 part I thought you were going to, which you were saying that you will come back to, was uh, maybe where we used to view Vincent Jackson in our fantasy expectations. But correct me if I'm wrong, Arvind, but you know, when he started with the Chargers, we always have a team like the Chargers or any team led by Philip Rivers in a specific mode where we know for sure that there will be a couple of productive pass catchers in a Philip Rivers-led offense. And this obviously included the Chargers for the longest time. And in that long time, Vincent Jackson always was a very respectable uh, Value adder to uh, you know to to wide receiver uh, to the wide receiver spot on our fantasy team. So, right, you know, without ever being kind of an all-pro guy, I felt therefore his name was always on our minds, and that's so, so, in a weird way, it probably is affecting us more than any other typical sports fan, fan would. Yes, yes, because of that fantasy
0: angle, you are absolutely right. And even when he went
1: to Tampa Bay.
0: Because of the whole potential with uh, Jameis Winston and all that, he had a lot of hype. Uh, yes. Uh, again, due to injuries and stuff like that, he never ended up as that Mike Evans, Keenan Allen type. But he got close, I would say, a couple of times, right? Yeah. And he always had the potential.
1: And that and that is my point. And I'm, I hope our listeners don't uh, think that we are... Kind of uh, being facetious here, or making it about fantasy, but it is a it, it is something cool that you just said. That the names that you pointed out, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, uh, these are guys that typically our fellow fantasy owners would look to draft high, uh, right? I mean, as a right. second, third rounder. What others, like for example myself, would do is we would say that okay, let's some let someone else invest a high round pick on a, one of these studs. I'm OK with the second guy on that team who's probably going to catch for a 1,000 yards also. And that used to be Vincent Jackson. First to Keenan Allen or before Keenan Allen with Keenan McCardell, who right. was in Chargers. Uh, Jackson used to be that second fiddle. And then obviously with Tampa Bay, it, it was the same. Right, right. I,
0: in either way, I think the, the the either case, the point we are making is he was such a kind of a part of our uh, uh, life in terms of uh, being a sports fan, right? We don't know these guys personally, but we consume them through television and being sports fans and especially with football being fantasy uh, players or whatever you want to call us. And he was definitely close to heart in that sense and he will be uh, missed. Indeed. Anyway, so... Moving on to some of the other things, obviously this is the first time we are talking after the Super Bowl or even uh, after early rounds of the playoffs maybe even. I don't even remember when the last episode was, Ravi. So what's the what's your thoughts coming out of the Super Bowl? I was just, I, I, the more I think about it, Ravi, it's just unfathomable like what Brady did uh, going to Tampa Bay, the whole journey, right? We I, I feel like... At least I never took it seriously because never in a hundred years I would have thought that he's actually going to win a Super Bowl in his very first year in Tampa Bay. Uh, I thought he would be good. I thought he would make them competitive. But he went all the way and kind of, you know, got past Mahomes and won a Super Bowl. It's, It's one of those things, Ravi. I've used this phrase in the past if you make a movie out of Brady's career and this move to Tampa Bay and all that, we wouldn't watch it. We would think it's so stupid. Agreed. <laughs> but the, Agreed. this guy actually does it in real life. I. The more I think about it, I'm blown away by it. Where, where do you uh, stand coming out of this uh, Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, so you just uh, stole words from my mouth with your last comment there, Arvind, which is that Brady's career, uh, especially the last two years of it, uh, with the acrimonious... Uh, Going on with uh, Belichick and the Patriots and then his subsequent departure, landing in Tampa Bay, a traditional losing franchise, right? I mean, with a coach who he couldn't, at least from from what we could read in the first few games, there was some tension between Arians and Brady to eventually winning the Super Bowl. If this were made into a movie, we would immediately deposit it into the Disney archives, right? (laughs) Feel good. Everything bad happens to someone, and then they end up emerging from the ashes and winning everything at the end and they're also a nice guy, and they're also able to be a true leader and I think <laughs> this, in that sense this is stranger than fiction and a true testament to let's 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 be fair. I think the greatness of this man
0: right and then i think I think he's basically brought the quarterback play because if you think about it last year, they already had a good defense, Tampa Bay. Uh, I know this personally because for two years, uh, Ravi, I had uh, Christian McCaffrey in fantasy. Again, going back to our fantasy team. And obviously, this year, I think you had him in one of the leagues too. And he was pretty, it was a bust, right? Because of the injury. Last year, he was terrific. And that's what made him a number one pick overall this year. But I distinctly remember that he had a huge problem playing Tampa Bay. And being in the same division, he played them twice. So their defense was good, right? But then James Winston was just completing passes to the other team yeah. that they missed the playoffs. So in some ways, Brady picked an amazing landing spot for him, right? Because he, he went to a place where they needed an upgrade at that one thing that he can upgrade. If, he, if you think about it, he could have probably picked a more explosive offense and this and that. But then he's not going to be able to upgrade their linebacker core, or you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to upgrade their defense. So, he picked a place which had a solid defense, which seemed to have a lot of talent on offense, except it had this quarterback who was kind of inconsistent and turnover prone. So, he goes in there, upgrades them right away. But I think more than that, Ravi, the fact that he brought in a culture, plus he brought in like Gronk and Antonio Brown with him. See, those are things that uh, aliens or nobody could have done it, right? Nobody's going to pack their bags and go to Tampa Bay to win a championship or a ring chase or anything like that. But those are the kind of the peripheral things that a guy like Brady brings to town. It's kind of the same with somebody like LeBron probably in the NBA that he brought in so much at the end of the day to that offense and literally put them... Over the top and moving into the game, I don't know how you felt. I I kind of thought they would be better than expected, but uh, I I still yeah. How do you pick against Mahomes, right? I was still pretty confident that uh, uh, Kansas City would win. Where where were you before the Super Bowl? And any any interesting betting stories to go with that? Because I know you were a more prolific better than I am.
1: So I'll answer the second part first, and that has nothing to do with actual logic or analysis, Arvind. But typically, in a big game, uh, Mm. you know, I typically bet on the underdog just because I feel if there are two teams that have reached the final stage, and this goes for the NBA finals or the Super Bowl, uh, you know, you're not making you're not actually making money betting uh, betting on the favorite. And in this case, to me, yes, there is there was that whole uh, fear of betting against Mahomes. But to me, there was this kind of what, for what it's worth, this blind supposition that when you have Tom Brady as the underdog, you're not really losing much. So, <laughs> so, so, so there was money that was how can I say it well spent on the Buccaneers. Oh, nice this year. So, so that worked out well. But again, that had nothing to do with actual logic or what I thought would happen. To me, there was no way Mahomes was going to lose. Mm-hmm. Except the thing, and we exchanged some chats. I know in our uh, in our. Uh, Uh, fantasy group, that this Super Bowl, in a very weird way, really emphasized why offensive linemen get paid the amounts they get paid. Right. For even a team which is loaded with offensive skills talent, the Kelsey's and the uh, Tyree Kills and, of course, Mahomes of the world, the fact that Mahomes was running for his life throughout the game suggested that losing Eric Fisher and I forget the name of the second O-lineman from their first team that got mm-hmm. lost, mm-hmm. and getting them replaced with two what they thought would be serviceable fill-ins was an absolute disaster. I mean, Tampa Bay's right. defense is good. It has always been good. But Rogers kind of made it look easy against them, whereas right. Mahmoud literally was running for his life the entire game. Right. That surprised me a little bit. So, going in,
0: I... I also followed all this talk about how their offensive line was a patchwork unit and all of that, right? But yeah. for some reason, like you said, Mahomes and that talent seemed to overcome that fairly uh, regularly, right, throughout the season. Yeah. But then they ran into this kind of this buzzsaw in the Tampa Bay defense. And I believe they lost one of the final pieces of that O-line later in that season, right? Even maybe against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Yes, that's
1: right. That's right.
0: So that almost seemed to have become the last straw which broke the camel's back or whatever. Because they have been missing offensive linemen from before the start of the season, right? Remember that one guy who decided to volunteer for COVID treatment in... Canada or something like. He's a smart dude. He's like a doctor or something. Doctor,
1: yes, and he he's one of those three name dudes. He has three names.
0: Yes, okay. yes, yes. So since that time, they have been losing people constantly. But it's almost like this last thing that happened in the previous game totally compromised that unit. And you are absolutely right. He was running for his life. Uh with all that said, before the game, I was just not ready to give up on Mahomes. It's pretty smart of you to go the other way as far as betting goes, uh, because there's, there are some other interesting uh, stats, right, from a betting perspective. Like going against Brady is supposed to be the dumbest thing, or some something like that. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. I so, that. so you were the smart man on that one, you know? Because of COVID, I couldn't go to Vegas this year, so I I didn't bet anything. Um, but other than that, the scary part, Ravi, now is looking forward. Is there any reason for you and I to think or assume that Brady and the Bucks cannot do this again? Yes.
1: Next so I, so I, I was thinking of the same exact thing. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, from a betting angle, because as you probably saw, the Bucks are plus 950 to repeat. And if there is any team that I will not have hesitation uh, at a, especially at a plus nine fifty, would be the Bucks mm-hmm. because they are. And Arians, one of one of the few good things about Arians is that he's very frank and forthright with what he has in his head, and right. he kind of pretty much laid it out that you know they're not going to do any cost cutting and letting go of good valued players for the sake of uh, salary cap and all of that. So, Mm -hmm. you are pretty much assured that the same nucleus will return. They will probably be better. They'll probably figure out a way of, for for example, utilizing Ronald Jones better, which was one of my pet peeves with them this year. But in any case, they will be better. and And again, they still have Brady at the helm. So, what is to say that they will not get past the NFC again? And... How Kansas City is going to be, I am slightly less clear on. So they really? to me, yes. Let's they're... let's
0: double click on that if you don't mind. Why why do okay. you say that about Kansas City?
1: Because I think uh, for all of its uh, deserved hype of being an offensive juggernaut, I saw this. Uh, I think two days after the Super Bowl, that in the 18 games they played this year, mm-hmm. they scored less than 29 in 10 or 11 games. Which to me does not suggest as much of an offensive uh, superpower that the Chiefs have been until until this past year. So there were there were there were some you know holes in that you know in that carpet to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. On top of which, I feel that especially I mean the Bulls, I mean the Bills to some extent, but especially the Buccaneers showed a little bit of a template on what it is that can uh, that can basically keep. Uh, Kansas City at Bay. Uh, and to use a specific right. example, they were either doubling Tyree Hill or keeping a spy on Tyree Hill. So, let Kelsey get all he, need, all he wants. I mean, Kelsey again ended up with like 12 catches for 120 yards or something. Uh-huh. But, but Tampa Bay especially, and that's why, you know, I, uh, just as an aside, I felt Todd Bowles was the real MVP of the Super Bowl. The fact that he was able to, uh, I mean, you know, design a game plan which focused on doubling or spying on Tyreek Hill and then obviously sending in uh, uh, his edge rushers to hound Patrick Mahomes worked well. But to me, over the offseason, over any offseason, teams are very good on defense to catch up on what good teams are doing and to sure. be able to make some, you know, adjustments based on that. Uh, I- so to me, that's where there is a little bit of a question mark as far as KC is concerned for me. Okay. Okay. Um- the, I, I agree with the Tyree Hill part. It was very clear
0: that the Bucks were just trying to lock him up, and it makes complete sense, right? Uh, yeah, actually, if you roll back about a year back, you know, uh, Niners would have loved to have done that, right? If yes. they bottled up Tyreek Hill, they have that Super Bowl. Because the other factor is it's almost like... A, in the NBA three-point shooter was as a low-post guy, right? Because Kelsey is like a low-post guy. Whereas yes, Tyreek correct. Hill is correct. like a Steph Curry, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, especially when the Niners went up, the only guy could have really destroyed them was uh, Tyreek Hill. And he did with that, you know, third-down catch and things like that. So you are absolutely right. The Tampa Bay Bucks have the right idea. But here's my concern about that. Ravi, it's funny you say that because I've been thinking about that too how replicable that is how many things do you stop because you are right it he needs to be stopped Tyreek Hill and it's doable right but then aren't you going to open up so many other things including running lanes for Mahomes and things like that I think that is where it may I have I'm not sure it's how replicable it is, but I that's one of the other exciting things I'm looking forward to for next year. Because you're absolutely right. People will try to mimic that, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is where having so many weapons I think is important because there's only so many things you can take away. And even letting Kelsey run wild could have what it, it kind of worked for Tampa Bay and might have even worked for the Niners, right? Because they have the personnel to kind of deal with all that. Uh, it may not work for every team across the regular season and things like that. So, percent. it's going to be
1: interesting. 100% agree with you. And that's why, to me, uh, I'm not even close to suggesting that Casey uh, will not be a playoff. team. In fact, to be honest with you, I am still thinking of a potential Chiefs-Bucks rematch. Uh, because to me, in the AFC… Uh, yes, even if teams are able to figure uh, the Chiefs out, who's mm-hmm. going to score as many as ch- Chiefs will anyways? I mean, other than maybe the Bills. So, right. yes. So, the, so the, to me, there is not as much doubt around Casey being one of the, you know, the three favorites to end up at the Super Bowl. But to me, in the same way, and especially if, even if it was 50-50 odds, I wouldn't bank on it. But if it's, as I said, if you're getting 9 is to 1 odds on the bucks repeating. I, to me, it's a fair enough odds because you again. I've stopped discounting anything with Brady. Exactly, and and and
0: Grank is back, right? And yes. uh, Antonio Brown will be back. You think?
1: So he, there was a pointed question around him, right? I mean, uh, with Arians, after he said, "Hey, everyone's going to be back" and all that, and then two days after that, I saw in the uh, the the pewter report that that includes Antonio Brown. I am not sure about that, but again, uh, does it really matter?
0: Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, was he, he was staying in his house or something, right?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, that place may still be open. I think Brady, for some reason, likes him. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyways, I agree with you that they there's really not much to uh, you know stand on if we are saying, oh, Bucks cannot do this again. I don't know what would be even a strong argument. And that, Ravi, is also kind of a challenge for other NFC teams. That includes the Cardinals. But you'd hope the Cardinals take a step forward.
1: I hope Uh, so. So, you know, uh, but speaking of the Super Bowl and the Chiefs and just the fact that we are all... you know, mouths agape when we think of Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, as we should be. I mean, I think Mahomes is a once-in-a-generation type of a QB. Casey's a great offense. Reed has been fantastic. But mm-hmm. I think, again, we were discussing this. Think about the fact that if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had not had an extended brain fart in the fourth quarter of last year's Super Bowl, yeah, 49ers were actually double digits in front, right? I mean, they were up by 11, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of three quarters. If they, had, if they had somehow, you know, stayed on course and won it, would we be talking about Mahomes and the Chiefs closer to being like a Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills as someone who easily gets to the Super Bowl, beating, trampling all opponents in their respective conference but never ends up winning the big one? Exactly. That's. I think you made that point in one
0: of our chat conversations as well. And that is so... I've seen it some other places too. That's so true, right? If they had missed that opportunity as well, we would be looking at them differently. Uh, but here's the thing. Even when you mentioned that stat about how they had not scored over, uh, uh, what, 19 or 29 points? 29 points,
1: years, yeah. yeah.
0: I was wondering, Raviv, that's just because they tend to kind of start slow. Yes. Yes. if you average out their second half, they probably, probably average like 60 points a game. (laughs) Because uh, just talking about these playoffs and analyzing these games against KC, there's a lot of people like, you know, uh, Michael Lombardi and guys like that. They say how you just cannot punt or turn over the ball to these guys, especially in the second half. Yeah, and one of the data points they always go to is remember that uh, D Ford offside game from a couple of years back, the AFC Championship game against Patriots. Uh huh. The Chiefs again were behind in that game too, but then the Patriots had to go all the way to like overtime to win that one. Apparently, they scored like twenty one points in like four minutes or something ridiculous in that fourth quarter or and second half of, or fourth quarter. I forget the exact details but basically this guy can put up like 25 points or 24 or 21 or whatever in a few minutes in the second half right they just tend to start really slow and then they get desperate and then they kind of uh, uh, you know can do whatever they want against certain defenses in the third and fourth quarters i wonder if that's something reed has to look at and maybe make them more disciplined or i don't know what the problem is, uh, just play better in the first half. So they may be able to do some uh, adjustments as well, uh, because their numbers
1: in the second half, and the, especially the fourth quarter, tend to be pretty out of this world, actually. That's right. That's right. That is a very interesting point. And you're right. I think sometimes when a team is so good, they kind of start off experimenting a little or taking it a little bit easy. And then when crunch time comes, they kind of get everything in place. Uh, right. So, maybe that's part of their trajectory in every game. Right.
0: And the other thing too for Mahomes is that, he, you know, with seven in his bag for Brady, as young and as amazing Mahomes is, pretty much everybody says he'll end up as the best quarterback in the history of the game, right? But still, it feels like he's not going to get to seven. That seven, That yeah. is how amazing Brady's resumes. We can look at a 24-year-old or 25-year-old generation player and still don't see a path to get to where uh, Brady is, right? Especially if he wins again next year, that is eight. Uh, That's very unlikely Mahomes is going to get there, right?
1: Yeah, I think there is no, (laughs) it's, it's unbelievable to even think uh, of uh, what Brady has done, leave alone thinking of anyone even coming close to it. Right, right.
0: Uh, Kind of like uh, uh, LeBron, actually a more impressive LeBron, if you can believe that. Uh, Speaking of LeBron, uh, how about we pivot a little bit to NBA before we wrap up this part,
1: sure unless
0: unless you have anything else to add on the football season uh
1: that just you know complete no n- nothing else other than just a personal or a personal fan plug which is uh, talking about the cardinals and what you correctly said as the fact that the cardinals need to make some major moves to stay relevant uh, not just in the nfl not just in the nfc but in the nfc west given how things are going i read recently that they were going to make a strong push for juju have Ooh. you heard that? And be what would you be your quick thoughts on it? Uh, was something I was curious about.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the question is what's Fitz latest from Fitz actually.
1: Uh, is he... See, and nowadays, you know, by the way, nowadays the uh, the the Arizona local sports talk radio stations are available as podcasts. So like Burns and Gambo yeah. uh, are on a pod as well. So I was listening to them recently. They said this whole juju push is almost un- indep- ir- like independent of uh, what Fitz decides to do because at best Fitz is going to be their number four next year. True, true.
0: I think, I I think they can go for it. I like Juju. I have always, you know, going back to our fantasy room, he's always been good for me in fantasy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: However, he had a kind of a down year last year, right? But uh, that may just be because uh, Steelers just have a knack for picking up good receivers. Uh, They are just stuck. They're just loaded, right? Stuck is not the right word. Loaded with like, three or four great receivers and I right. felt like the ball was going all over the place. So Juju is, I think, worth it, man. Uh, what do you think? I think yeah. he, they should go after
1: him. I I agree because then that is also some kind of a, a damnation of what uh, I slowly started feeling about Christian Kirk. I think much as we have always admired his ability to make one or two game-changing plays every season, Kirk <laughs> is not the answer as a consistent threat on the other side to Hopkins, Juju most certainly is. In fact, if you remember, and you will, because I know you've been a strong Juju backer, but even those couple of years where Antonio Brown was on the Steelers, oftentimes, at worst, Juju was a very, very able second receiver. But in Brown's last season, when I remember I had Antonio Brown in my fantasy league and you had Juju, Juju was actually, on a game-by-game basis, doing better than Brown. So right, he, right. I think he's he's a superior talent. Yes. Uh, 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 I think uh, Murray would enjoy him. My
0: only concern is I would like the Cardinals to focus on the trenches. You know. I
1: agree. I right.
0: On the bread yeah. and butter things instead of all these fancy bells and whistles, because at the end of the day, I think between Kyler and all the skill position guys, there is enough. Right. It may not be the elite. You know, it may not be Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, if they have many holes to plug I would focus on those other holes uh, because they, I feel like there is enough here to do damage
1: Agreed Agreed
0: Yeah. And
1: I don't know and to me I think it's a combination you're right of getting the right uh, players or the personnel for the trenches and then equally to get the right coaching mind to address yes. that part of the game I knew
0: you would go to the coach Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just not going to go there out of you know just to see how you play this <laughs>
1: <laughs> because to me a lot of the, uh, the, the what what we call the trenchmen right both on defense and on offense I think the talent wise the the Cardinals seem to either pay a lot of money to bring in free agents or have wasted high draft picks. Uh, on you know linemen, especially on the offensive side. But it feels like they never, ever have a solid O-line. And I will include this year where it felt like Murray was not getting sacked as much and this and that. But yeah. turns out, I think it had much more to do with Murray kind of literally bailing Kingsbury out time and, and time again. Definitely, yeah. I, I don't think it was a great year for
0: Kingsbury for sure. Um, On that note, right, I I know I I said we'll move to NBA, but we never talked about the Stafford trade. Where do you think that puts the Rams at? Because I feel like that does make the NFC West tougher. I have always been kind of a closet uh, Stafford uh, stan, if you will. He definitely upgrades the golf position, I think. As long as he's healthy, I think he gives them another kind of a layer Uh, to that offense that they were probably missing. How do you see that? I think it definitely makes them better. Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, I I think, uh, uh, you know, I uh, have never had much of an opinion or much of a good uh, view on regarding golf. And to me, I still feel that the Rams made the wrong choice by Letting Gurley go. And this is notwithstanding what Gurley did last year, where he looked jaded and tired and he looked done. But I still feel that they wasted too much money on golf. And in that regard, Stafford is a huge, huge um, uh, improvement. The only piece, and I think you may have mentioned it, which is that if the 49ers by some way get Deshaun Watson. The Rams will still have the fourth best quarterback in their in their division, despite getting a significant better, right. better one in Stafford.
0: Right. That's uh, amazing. That speaks to how difficult the division is. Unless, Ravi, these l- latest rumors that came out of nowhere that <laughs> Russell Wilson yeah. might be in a bad state. And he didn't come out and deny it. He gave it. a pretty confusing response, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it had something to do with his uh, offensive coordinator getting let go, uh, uh, which happened at the end of the season. But if you remember, Arvind, uh, Russell Wilson was on an absolute tear for the first eight games of the season, where he was literally breaking all passing records. And then... um, uh, Pete came out, Pete Carroll came out and during one of his press conferences said that we really desperately need Chris Carson back in full health because we want to run the ball more. Mm -hmm. And, And you felt like it is another one of those coach speak to divert defenses from focusing too much on Wilson. But turns out that's exactly what they did. I believe in the last five games of the regular season, Wilson... Was less than medium I mean, less than the league average in terms of his, you know, his his passing stats. So you literally had the the the, the you know uh, you you you're handcuffing your best player, intentionally moving to a different style of game. And at the end of the season, also by the way, the offensive coordinator gets fired. So I have I think there is more to it than than what meets the eye. And to your point, yeah, the fact that Wilson did not even deny the rumors, yeah. There is a non zero chance that we might see a different future. Oh man, that would be good riddance, yes, for all the Indeed. other
0: teams. In the, <laughs> that guy is amazing. Uh, yes. But you're right, he tailed off, right, in spite of all this uh, talk about, oh, how come uh, Russell Wilson has ever gotten an MVP vote, right? Yes, I, I think he's he not even gotten a single MVP vote. And yes. initially, this season, everybody thought, oh, he's going to get votes this year for sure he may even be the MVP then he tails off I doubt if he even got MVP vote this year probably not
1: still. not probably yeah. not yeah so I that's
0: amazing check. all right let's just spend a few minutes on uh, the NBA and the Suns so Suns okay. are really looking great uh The way I see it in the West, uh, Ravi, is basically there's a top tier, right? Uh, The Jazz have just been amazing. And then, of course, the two LA teams. I think the Suns are right behind them, right? You can probably tier them right behind them, along with, I would say, Denver, even though Denver is kind of, in terms of uh, seeding, I think uh, Portland and Spurs are kind of in there ahead of Denver, I mm-hmm. don't know how real the Spurs are, right? Uh, I guess you never count out a Popovich coach team. But basically, to me, the next year is definitely led by the Suns with probably Denver and Portland right behind them. And that's, I think, a great place to be. And we'll just see where they go from from here. Uh, I, they've had some impressive wins and they're just for real. I mean, that's all I have to say about them, right? They're as real as a, a, a top-notch playoff participant in the West, if you will.
1: Yeah. And can you believe, Arvind, that we are having this conversation and saying these things <laughs> about seven months after and I'm talking seven months because this was right before the bubble where we were kind of hoping against hope that they don't make an ass of themselves at the bubble because obviously a lot of people felt the sun said no business being invited to the bubble in the first place. Right. Uh, and uh, so to see and it has, I mean, obviously with one huge addition in the form of Chris Paul. The rest of the team and, you know, again, going back to coaching, you can see the effects of a Monty Williams team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that now players know their respective roles. Paul, in the last two weeks, seems to have finally asserted what he was brought in for, right? He's been fantastic, I think. Um, yeah, he's been
0: great, and he has been great even before that. But the funny part was the numbers were just not there for right. both him and Booker, Booker, right? Right. Yes. So Booker is completely turning it around as far as his numbers go. So I think he just won the Player of the Week this uh, yes, this right. week. So the other interesting question, Ravi, is the West is so loaded in terms of talent. It looks like he may still not make the All Star. That's all-star. just Unbelievable. Do you think he has a shot? Because it's just the guard position is just so loaded in the west.
1: Yeah. And I'm just thinking that eventually with so many... And this is not going to be a fair reflection of his actual stature or for that matter. This is not the way he would want to go to an All-Star game. But I feel he will ultimately be there given injuries or some additional quote-unquote quota, some coaches thing or Ah, players uh deciding not to show up, you know, because of health concerns. But I think your primary point though is, does it even seem fair that he is now what eighth or seventh among guards in the all-star voting, which is nonsense. But at the same time, if I were to remove my homer hat, you can see why... He is seventh, uh, you know, given given the sheer volume of great players at that position here in the Western Conference.
0: Right, right. So, basically, Steph, Luca, and Dame are in a stratosphere of, by themselves, right? Yeah. Then you got Paul George, who had like just a terrific uh, uh, season before he got hurt. hurt then you got yes. Donald Mitchell, whose team is just r- ridiculous. They won like 18 out of 19 or something. And I think if Booker has had this season from day one, I think he would actually be in there. Yeah. Uh, But looking at Booker's season, it feels like the last 10 days has been like at another level than the previous whatever, four weeks or five weeks or whatever. This Booker is amazing, right? It's almost like more than Paul, uh, Ravi. I feel like Booker has learned to play with Paul. That's That's the feeling I get. Because they have apparently there are some numbers that show they have slowed down and things like that. Basically, they are playing more of the CP3 style of ball, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Which is fine. Which is winning ball, obviously. But from an aesthetically I do find them, I have to say, a little bit more boring than last year or the previous versions because we have been so spoiled since the seven seconds or less uh, right. time, right? I don't know if you have, uh, if you have noticed anything like that, or you are just enjoying the.
1: No. So, I definitely feel that they do look obviously less exciting than not just the 7 seconds or less suns. But even again, going back to recency, the the bubble suns. The bubble suns were basically a freewheeling team which had no expectations. But Booker had taken the entire team on its shoulders. He could hit a 3 from 33 feet anytime it felt like, anytime he wanted. In fact, I remember him and… uh, Lillard were the two that were constantly wowing us day in and day out of that whole yes. bubble, uh, you know, semi-season. But I think this year they are far more efficient or this season they are far more efficient, less glitzy, but right. obviously uh, much more effective. But I did want to address one thing, which is uh, the game. And so, there have been now four times this season, Arvind, where I have turned the TV off in the third quarter with the <laughs> Suns down by... 10 or more points and each and every one of those games they have come back and won it and the last time this happened was against Milwaukee this you know 3 games ago and i decided after that that though they look slow on offense as in then they don't look like a team that can overcome a 10 point deficit in 5 minutes they have now done it at least 4 times because 4 times i remember turning the tv off thinking that they are down like 68 to 56 end of yeah, the third yeah. quarter they won't they want, they're not going to score 100 because they've only scored 56, you know, in almost three full quarters. How are they going to overcome this lead? And then I find out after the game that they won 110 to 98 or something like that. So, right. they know. So, my point in bringing that up is they seem to be a team which plays a certain way, the Chris Paul style, until they know that there is no other way but to go gangbusters and they're able to put themselves on overdrive when the need arises. Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think
0: uh, they are slow only with respect to where they have traditionally been, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and and they are just ruthlessly efficient. And I just love Michael Bridges. That guy is just he is. as much a reason for their success, starting with the bubble, as anybody else. Right? That guy is just the prototypical three and D guy. I just love, love, love Michael Bridges. But overall, I, uh, uh, you know, I think they're uh, pretty much in the top four in the league. I think. Uh, yeah. s- standing must- wise, I don't know where they will end up. Uh, they may have a shot at three or something if Lakers start you know, going back because, you know, now I heard uh, AD is going to miss three weeks and things like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, But they're going to be there when it's all said and done. And they have been impressive even when they have missed a couple of guys. So, they do seem to have some depth and
1: some margin for error. Yeah, the bench has been to me the most impressive part of... uh, The depth of the bench has been the most impressive part to me of this season. Um, Yes. In fact, and, and it is as much to do with... the basketball skill level, Arvind, as you correctly pointed out. To me, what's been even more, uh, you know, enticing to see is that top to bottom, except for a couple of guys who I'll I'll have no hesitation naming, I feel the team has a very solid IQ, basketball IQ. Like, Bridges is just a fantastic player. But right. also one of the most, I feel like he always makes the right play at the right time. Him. Or even Cam Johnson. Cam's been missing his threes a little bit, but you know that with him in the game, there's always spacing. And the same with, I feel, Kaminsky and Saric. Now that Saric is back. Aiden is the one that I feel like he has some amazing stat-filling games, right? I mean, he has been having a lot of those double-double games. Mm -hmm. There are at least one or two moments of every game where I'm like, what the hell did he just do? Right? Aiton is still a work in progress from a mental standpoint, from a game awareness standpoint. And I feel the same about the backup guards uh, behind Paul, whether it is Etwan Moore or Javon Carter or Campaign, Exciting. They bring in the necessary relief for Paul. But I feel that the game kind of loosens up a little bit. They need to keep it tighter. But that mm-hmm. affects me less. Aiton is someone that I feel is a, still a little bit of a lottery ticket. Yes, yes,
0: definitely. I though I have to say has impressed me more than uh, I expected two years back. Right, right. So he's showing growth and he's trending in the right uh, direction. And it's funny you mentioned Cam Johnson. That guy, he, he, uh, I know he has been missing a little bit of threes, but I always feel he, he, when he takes a shot, he's the only <laughs> guy. You know, I feel like he's it's just going in. I never it feel like so- he's going.
1: It's funny you say that, and I'm I'm chuckling, basically in agreement with you, Arvind. And this this might sound sacrilegious what I'm going to say, but the only other guy I feel when he takes a shot that is going in is Curry. Curry, obviously, exactly, curry, it, it kind of goes in more often than not. But there is something about the fact that Cam takes open shots, and it's, exactly. whether it's a shooting form or what it is, it feels like when he misses. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> it's amazing. We we both are in
0: exactly not just the same page, but the same word in the same paragraph. <laughs> because Curry and him are the only two people I think that way. Yeah. And one of the reasons for Cam is he takes only open uh, shots, right? Like he is uh, spot up threes. He doesn't do any of this step back and yes, none of the fancy stuff, right? He takes those open spot up threes. And more often than not, he's going to make it. it just yes, give yes, that's right. Uh, cool. Um, let's hope Booker or uh, CP3, if somebody gets some all-star run, maybe like you said, Ravi, maybe it's as a replacement. Let's hope for that recognition. Other than that, uh, we'll, I guess, continue to enjoy the NBA season. And uh, uh, see where it goes. It's it's kind of uh, exciting times for the suns so for many, many, many years. So I've been too
1: long, actually. So, yes. and, and that's what has led me. For example, if you look at my uh, podcast, uh, listen to list on my phone, all the Phoenix area podcasts are now back on my screen. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun to listen to, read about and watch the Phoenix Suns again. And uh, yeah, that's a feeling that, uh, you know, I know Cardinals are, I have, you know, we, we are fans of the cards as well. But there's always something extra special about the Suns being relevant. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, We need them. We need the Suns in the picture. It's been too long. Indeed. Cool.
0: That's all I had for uh, this episode. Anything else you want to hit before we bid adieu and hope to uh, reconnect soon?
1: Nothing much uh, other than that, uh, other than this, Arvind, we'll continue to hope that the suns uh, keep uh, exciting us and we have some more fun stuff to talk about next time. Yes, have a good one and
0: stay safe.